Grab out your Bibles and something to take some notes with uh, as we study God's Word today. I'm excited about this morning. Uh, And of course, if you'd like to have a fill-in-the-blank version, you're like, hey, I don't want to write down so much stuff. I want to just kind of type in a fill-in-the-blank. You can pull the Victory Church app in any app store that you've got, and we would love uh, for you to fill along. All the verses, all the points that we cover today are in there. Click on this weekend's message. Would love to provide that for you. But if you like to write things longhand, pull out a piece of paper uh, and a pen as well. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, later in the sermon uh, as we do. We're in the second part of a brand new series called Bon Voyage. We started this last Sunday uh, during what was the vacation weekend just for Louisiana. Come on, somebody. And so we thought we'd kick off a vacation series because we all would like to be on vacation. And then the weather turned to like zero degrees overnight and we are all freezing and we're just ready for summer. But I promise you, sometime in July or August, you will beg for this weather back. Come on, somebody. It's going to be... I will hold you to it. You will you'll be asking for it. We kicked off the series, though, kind of using it as an analogy, uh, this idea of travel or vacation. And we talked last week in week one about some warning signs, some indicators that it may be time to take a rest uh, in our spiritual lives. We may be headed for a burnout in our physical lives. We may be headed for a burnout in our relationships that we have in our families. We may be headed for it. So it might be time to take a little bit of a rest, but we talked about how it's important when we do take rests that we don't take them just so we can recharge or reboot or like somehow get enough energy to throw ourselves right back into our frantic overpaced lives. Now, that's not the point of the rest. It's not so we can just somehow survive for another two or three months and then go right back into burnout. That's not the idea, but that we would actually reevaluate some things. Part one, we talked a little bit about what it might look like to maybe reevaluate our standing and reevaluate the way we are living our lives and look into what God's plan might actually be for us. To look into what God actually has planned for us, that we're not just throwing ourselves right back into what caused the burnout to begin with. So, if we are going to have a plan, then this week, week two, we're going to look at what that means. Now, week three, next week, we'll talk about uh, one of the most important parts of the journey as we close out the series. That'll be what's the most important thing when you're on it. It's not so much the destination as the people along the way, the ones who are in the car. Now, if you've ever taken a road trip or you've ever crammed a bunch of kids into a car, you're like... Forget week three, Pastor. I don't want to hear anything about it. But that is actually, as we live this life, choosing our relationships. The people that can speak into our lives are such an incredible part of the trip that oftentimes we overlook. And so we'll talk about that in week three. Today, though, I want to talk, if we're going to have a plan, uh, if we're going to have a, a bon voyage, we're going to say goodbye to whatever it is, and we're going to actually live this journey, then we have to talk a little bit about the roadmap about where we're going. And God has given us a roadmap in our lives. And I think too often times we gloss over this, but God has given us a beautiful picture of what the blueprint for life should be. He has spoken in his word. And so it is an amazing journey we have in studying that. Now, in my hands, I hold an ancient book and it is not the Bible, everybody. All right. This is the Rand McNally roadmap for the thing. I grabbed this out of my house this morning. I was like, this would be a good illustration for you guys. This is a road. This is an ancient text that nobody uses anymore. Uh, and so we have actually used half of this thing as wrapping paper. Come on, somebody, because nobody. We, this is the 2021 edition. And I bought this thing. Uh, and when I did, I went looking to see, like, who else is buying this? There were 24 total reviews on Amazon for this edition. Come on, somebody. There were nobody. Not a hot item for people to be about. It was me and like an 85-year-old man in Missouri. And so 
God bless you, 85-year-old man in Missouri uh, who also enjoys roadmaps and street signs. I, I got it to show my kids because when I started driving, uh, I went to school up in Tennessee. And so uh, when I left the state line my freshman year of college, I used one of these things to navigate the country. It was amazing. And I was about, I think I was 19, 18, 19 years old. And I realized, I was like, where has this been the last three years of my driving life? Because when I first started driving, 16, right, they don't let anybody in the car with you. I don't know why. They say it's a safety thing. I think it's to get us all lost. Come on, somebody. Because when I first started driving, I didn't have anybody with me to tell me, turn left, turn right. And so I was late to everywhere, like to every, and I wasn't late because I left the house late because you're just like teenagers are always late. I left early. I was late because I drove up and down every street trying to find those people, trying to figure out where I was going. I learned Baton Rouge because I drove every square inch of it. That's just what I, I just kind of guessed where people were. And so when I got one of these things, an uncle of mine uh, actually gave me his old one. And so I would navigate up through Louisiana, then Mississippi, Alabama, uh, up through parts of Georgia into Tennessee. And that, this thing was a godsend to my life. I'd be having this out. I couldn't even see the road. I'd have it out like flipped open and be like extension 450. I, I just, it saved my life through that. Cause I, I could not possibly find my way without it. Now I know I am the, I am the biggest proponent of digital nowadays. I realize we have the maps on those, but I believe that in the same way I had that realization, where was my life without this thing? I'm hoping and praying that some of you this morning might have that same realization about this. Because God has given us a roadmap for life. And I know we gloss over it. Or I know sometimes we over-spiritualize it to the point where you feel like, well, I just can't even read the thing without feeling like guilt or condemnation about my reading comprehension. Or how much I read. Or how many days in a row I, I realized. Put all that to the side. Just listen to me carefully. This is God's roadmap for us. If we're going to have... If we're going to go on this journey that God has called us to, if we're going to figure out what he has called us to do, it's going to come from his word. And so put all the condemnation, put all the guilt trips, put all the the broken record, put all that stuff to the side. And I just want to talk to you maybe from a new perspective today about this book. Because I do believe it's, it is the thing that takes us from where we are to where God wants us to be. We talk about that a lot here at Victory. How we want to come alongside you in the journey of faith. How we want to see you become all that God has called you to be. I don't care who you are. I want to see God's plan come to pass in your life. And this is what takes us from where we are to where God wants us to be. So we're just going to try to come alongside in the journey. It's an amazing book. It's actually, it is incredibly complex on the face of it. I'm going to try to demystify some things today. But it is an amazing book. Written over 1600 years. You think about that period of time, written over that, 12 different countries, 3 different continents, 40 different contributors. It's an incredible, just from a literary standpoint, it's an amazing book. I'm not going to try to bore you with any kind of, it, it is an amazing, amazing book. And it tells one story. 40 different contributors, 12 different countries, 1600 years this thing is written over. And it still tells just one story. It is an amazing, amazing book. And the reason it can do that is it may have 40 different writers, it has one author. That God is telling his story through his word, that we are able to have this in our hands. And so I don't know how many Bibles you may own at home. I don't know if you even have one with you, if you got the digital one. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want you, every time you see it, if nothing else, just recognize what an incredible thing. There is nothing else in this world like this. Nothing else in the literary world easily like this. There is nothing in the world like God's word. And it's been given to us. 
And it stands the test of time. And watch this. It has one author. And I want to show it to you out of 2 Timothy. Watch. It says that the Bible in Scripture inspired by God. We're going to walk through this verse together. It means that when all these different people sat down to write the Gospels, when they sat down to write the Word of God, all these different authors. And so you had lawyers and fugitives. You had fishermen. You had all these, these poets. Yet everybody sits down to write. That they were actually inspired. The Holy Spirit would actually inspire them and speak to them about what they were writing. Inspired by God. And because of that, it's useful to teach us what is true. And so we have so many arguments nowadays about well, what is truth. And it echoes Pilate's words from 2,000 years ago. It's this, I, what is, it says it's useful to teach us what is true. Inspired by God. And to make us realize what is wrong. You want the idea of how to live. You want the idea of right and wrong. It's in God's word. It says, as far as what is wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. We don't like that verse very much, but it's there, everybody. It teaches us. Corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. And watch this. God used it to prepare and equip his people for every good works. We have to understand how to use this roadmap. And so I want to go at it from two ways today. First, theological, and then a little bit more practical for us. And I think we need both of those things to make this go. All right. So first off, John chapter one, turn in your Bibles. If you have them, we put them on the screen. If you have a digital version, if you just want to read up here with me, you can. John chapter one, John gives us this 10,000 foot view. In the beginning, Was the word and watch this. God says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So God was the word at the beginning. This is the joint. This is the story beginning. At least from what we get to see, this is the story. And the Bible starts to put these pieces together. John gives us almost like a roadmap of the entire Bible here just in the first chapter. He says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But watch this. All of the Bible tells one story. All of the Bible begins because then it says, it, it kind of starts the beginning and then it jumps to where John is writing. And so in between this, you have creation. And in between this, you have, you have like the tribes of Israel and you have the exile. You have the law being given. You have them breaking it. You have them sent into exile. You have the covenant. You have all of these things that fit in. And the Bible begins to march forward in the story. And so if you've ever studied the Old Testament, you're looking at this 10,000 foot view. There's the fall of mankind. There's the covenant. There's the hundreds of years later with the law. And then there are the tribes. And then there are the exile. There's all these things that fit in. But then it comes up. And so John finally, finally brings this thing home. And he says, in the flesh made his dwelling among us. Watch in verse 14. We've seen this 10,000 foot view back in, in chapter one, though, in verse 14. He says, he became flesh and dwelt among us that everything points to Jesus. That you, you talk about the beginning and you, you read through the roadmap, all of the books of the Old Testament. Everything begins to march its way towards a moment when the word becomes flesh. When Jesus dwells among us. And everything before it, everything afterwards points to Jesus. All of your Bible is telling one story and it's about his life. It's about the word that became flesh. It's about Jesus, the savior of all. The one who saves us, redeems us and frees us. And so when you begin to look at your Bible in maybe a different lens about the story of Christ, the story of redemption, yes, the story of us being made right, yes, but the story of Christ, you begin to read it maybe from a different perspective. This idea, this, this thought that John gives us, that everybody is pointing towards Jesus. What's incredible, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us, and he doesn't just start to teach. You read in the Gospels, he doesn't just teach, he models the life that God has called us to live. 
So the word becomes flesh. The word of God becomes flesh. Jesus is walking on this earth, not just teaching like he came to tell us, do this, do this, do this, and see ya. It's like, hey, this is how you're supposed to live. He models it in his own life. And so he shows us what it means to love one another. He shows us what it means to have mercy. He shows us what it means to love somebody who's different than you. He shows us what it means to live the life God has called us to live. Because listen to me, if you've ever read the book of Leviticus, that is God's like book of, of rules of how the Israelites were supposed to live their life. If you ever read that, you cheer when Jesus shows us the life that we're supposed to live. You like, you like break out into a party when you see how Jesus shows us how to live compared to that. Because listen, I know Leviticus is in our one year Bible. If you read along with us in the year, we started it Friday. Come on somebody, it's Leviticus time. I don't know, every February this is where we hit. I know it's in there in our one year, but I think a lot of you fake read it, to be honest with you. If I'm just like, if we're just being honest together, I think you just like fake that you read it and you're just like, I know what's in it and I move on. I skipped it last year. I'll just be honest. All right. It was just, it was too much for me. So I got to read it this year. Come on, somebody. But when you read those things and you see the law at the old Testament, and then you see Christ saying, I fulfill the law. Here's the life God has called us to live. It is an amazing landmark moment. That God has called us to. That the word became flesh. That his relationship with the father. We got a picture of it. Now watch this in John chapter 6. Jesus comes on the scene. Speaking words of life. And here's what he says about the words that he speaks. He says it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you. They are spirit and they are life. I highlighted that word spirit because it's not a direct translation of the word of the Greek. Because there is no English word. That's a direct translation of the Greek word pneuma. It's this amazing, this, this idea that closest we could maybe come is the word breath. The words that I've spoken to you, but they didn't put that because the translators are like, people think we're nuts. Everybody be reading this and like the spirit, the words I spoke to you are breath. And that wouldn't really mean anything to you. But listen to me, this is the breath of God. This word, when it says the words that I've spoken to you, this is the idea that the words are spoken, but then there is power in the words to accomplish what was said. When you think about the words of God, God spoke, let there be light. And what does the Bible say? And there was light. The words that he speaks, he's saying, so it's not just words, it's words that have the power to fulfill what's being said. In fact, on my mom's side of the family, we're Armenian. And the entire Bible, it's not called like the Bible, it's called Asvasta Chunch. It, is, it literally means the breath of God. That this, this thing that we get to hold, it's not just words, it's not just like a bunch of authors just had a bunch of ideas and decided to give us a really big book that you say, well, it just takes me a long time to read. That's not what this is. This is the breath of God. And when God speaks, the power to do what he says is inside of the words. That's what Numa means. It means that the book is alive. I watched this in Hebrews chapter four. For the word of God is living. It's living. So the Bible is not just another book. It's not just like an assemblage of a bunch of people's ideas. It's the word of God. It's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword you've ever had. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit. Now, this is just Bible language that it will do a work on your life. Like this thing is alive. The words God speaks have the power to complete what it says. And so it'll do a work on your life. Penetrates dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. That's Bible language where it will get up all in your business. Come on, somebody. It will like, it will mess with your emotions. It will mess with your attitude. It will mess with your perspective. It will mess with you. Come on. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. 
judges the thoughts and the attitudes. See what sets the Bible apart. You're not just like getting information. You're getting the power to accomplish what's being said. I'll amen myself if you want. Come on, somebody. That's good. Dividing soul and spirit is judging the attitudes of the heart. And so then what is our response? And maybe if you've been in church a while, you know the cookie cutter response. But let me just ask you again. If the Bible is alive, if it's the breath of God, if it has the power to accomplish what it's being said, only book on the planet that contains the power to do what it's saying. If it is the word of God, then what is our response? We build our lives on the word. Watch this in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus starts talking. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is what we are building our lives on. It's what we are basing everything on. And then he goes on to say, storms are coming. The rain came down. So bad news for you. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house. Storms are on their way. Now listen to me. I have never and I will never Preach that there will be no storms. There is no verse that says no storms. I, I just, I, I don't know any better way to put it. There is nothing in there that says you won't encounter storms in this life. But Christ is saying they are coming. Bad news for you, but good news. The one who does what I say, the one who follows my word. The storms beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. You want a picture of what your life should be. When storms come and it doesn't even shake you, when storms try to rage and they don't even take you out, building our house on the rock, on the word of God, the house doesn't crumble. So how? You know, I like practicality. So if we have the theological, we understand maybe where this is coming from now. Then how do we build our life on the rock? Like, what do I do this week? If this is the roadmap, if we're on, say, in Bon Voyage and we're going out on the trip, if, if that's the idea, Pastor, then what do I do this week? A couple of thoughts for you guys. Jot it down if you're taking notes. Number one, first thing we have to do in order for the Bible to become alive in our lives is we have to submit to its authority. You've got to make a decision about what it is that you believe. I'm not going to call you to the front and make you tell everybody right now. You just have to make, you have to decide. What you believe about the word of God. It's a big deal because it's what we talked about. The Bible is powerful. It's actually able to accomplish what it says. But it does not benefit you until you submit to its authority. Until you have faith that it's true. I'll show you in Hebrews 4. Watch this. It says, for we also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. So the message was preached and we heard it and they heard it. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Watch this. No value. If somebody said that about the gospel, about something that was being said, we would like run him out of town on the rail. Be like, that's heresy. That's just, this is, he's right. He's saying the message preached was of no value to them because they did not share in the faith of those who obeyed. One translation said they didn't mix it with faith. They had the message preached to them, but it had no value in their lives because they didn't mix it with faith. It didn't work. It didn't land. Another translation, there was no faith in the hearers. And so if you just read it with no faith mixed in, it will be just another book. So the Psalms are pretty. We, we like how they flow in the poetry of it. I've heard literary professors had no faith at all, did not believe, but they love the Psalms because of the, just the construction of it. So the Psalms are pretty. The advice is pretty good. We read a Proverbs a day. It'll help our business go. I don't know. The advice is pretty. The stories are really fun. We'll tell them to our kids. We do the same. But if there is no faith, the message is of no value. But the hearers who mix the faith in, you read it with faith. Faith is what turns the natural to the supernatural. 
Faith mixed in is what turns. When that happens in your heart and you believe that it's true, the Bible has the power to fulfill itself in your life. It has the power, but you have to accept that it is the highest authority. It's kind of like the MAPS program in your phone. I'm just on a MAPS analogy today, all right? I mean, you just going to have to bear with me because I got preacher's disease and that's just how it works. But it's kind of like the MAPS app on your phone. It, can, it has the power to show you the direction you are going, to tell you, take you from where you are to where you want to be. It's deeply spiritual, whatever MAPS program you use. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it has the power. You put in, here is where I am. And here is where I would like to go. And it can give you turn-by-turn instructions. And then you decide if you trust it or not. Because the problem is, I have trust issues. Come on, somebody. I just have trust. Now, the biggest reason I have trust issues is because of the oatmeal raisin cookies. That's why I have the biggest trust issues in my life. Because they are not chocolate chip, but they will fool you every time. Come on, somebody. You just, you show up at the party and you're like, who brought these? You're amazing. And you eat one and you realize it's oatmeal. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Come on, oatmeal raisin, because... You are not chocolate chip. I don't know. I just, I was thinking about this whole thing. That's where, that's where my real trust is. The second reason I have trust issues is because of MapQuest, everybody. That's why I have trust issues. You remember this. This is like in the dark days of the internet. This is like when it first started. You would get it home and right where you wanted to go, you type it in. And then you would print out. Like you forget, you like, I don't need this anymore. You would print out a turn-by-turn instruction and take that with you in the car. And then you would get about halfway through that. They'd be like, left, left, right, left, right. You are here. And I'm like, I am nowhere. I am not like, it's not even a road. Like, I don't know what, like, where did we turn? Like, you remember this. I had the worst. And then we had like a golden age where the maps on our phone started to like work. Like you got a data plan and you started to like actually work. And then Apple Maps came out. Come on, somebody. And that's just like... That you remember the first couple of years, it's gotten better the last few years, but you remember the first like two years, it was havoc. Like we had wars over this. You'd be in the car with people and you're like, Hey, somebody type this in. And they'd be like, turn left. You're like, wait, which map did you turn it? Did you type it into before I make this turn before we like put our relationship in jeopardy? Tell me like, why am I turning left? We, we went on a mission trip to help a flooded church in Texas, uh, 2017. And we are like, we're down there. Or 2018, one of those, right in there, we're down there with this group, and like half of them made it to the church. And then about a third of them were over at a cemetery somewhere, like six miles away. And then two of them were at Wendy's. They're like, we're having a great time. We're just eating. It ruined the whole, it was a bad time. It was just, it was, it was bad. So I have trust issues. Do you not do this? Like I type in where I'm going. And then about two minutes later, I'm back on the map, like zooming out. Like, where is this taking me? Like, I have control issues. I got to know. Like, did you pick the right place? Because it feels like I'm going in the wrong direction. I want to know where I'm going. I need to see it all. And I have trust issues about where you're taking me. Some of us have the same issues when we read the Bible. And we think like, okay, I've been driving for a minute now. I've been doing this thing for a little while. I got to see... Okay, like I got to know where, where am I going? And we flip to the back and we're like, oh, the 12 tribes. That's not where I'm going. And we're, we're like, where, where is this thing headed? Like, where is it taking me? Because I don't know if I trust everything. And I don't know if I understand everything that's written there. I'm not sure if I understand everything that I'm reading. That's okay, everybody. Just want to set you at ease. It's okay. I don't completely understand digestion, but I keep eating. Come on, somebody. Like I, I... And so sometimes we get this this... It might not be a control issue. Maybe it's just a trust issue, but we get it and we have these questions. Listen to me. I told you this last week. God has not called us to understand everything, but he has called us to trust. 
And so when we pick up the roadmap, when we see, and, and listen, along the way, he does bring revelation. In different areas, if you need it, he does bring it. But so many times it is a faith issue that we begin to trust. If we don't submit to the authority, we don't trust that it's taking us where it says we are going to go. That is when the Bible becomes alive in our lives. That we submit to its authority. That God has not called us to understand everything. But the Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians. We also thank God continually. Because when you received the word of God which you heard from us. That word received there in the Greek. It's literally the concept of embracing a stranger at your door. Like someone who just knocked. And it's this idea of receiving them into your home. This idea of like maybe I don't know everything. Like maybe I don't understand. You say we thank God continually. Because you received the word of God. You welcomed it. You brought it in. You accepted it. You submitted to its authority. He said, you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God. And now watch what happens. Once you've accepted it, once you've, you've done that part, once you've received it as the word of God, it's at work in you who believe. So now it's at work in its life. The only book that can fulfill itself, the only words that are alive, is now at work in your life. At work in your life of you who received it. And so I just want to, I don't know any better way to put it than this is the word of God and we have accepted it as the highest authority. And so when we talk about all of our preaching and teaching, when we talk about all of the plans and all of the things that we do, all of them come from here. Everything that we do in our lives, if we're going to set a goal that we need to hit, it needs to come from God's word. If I ever preach anything to you that you can't find in the word of God... Follow the word of God. Come on, somebody. Like, I just, it's, it's a lot. It's, I don't know how else to put it to you. That this is the roadmap that we have. The infallible, inherent word of God. And so we measure our life. We measure our lives by it. We plan our lives by it. Our teaching, our preaching, all our decision making. We accept its authority in our lives. Because listen, culture will change. The word of God doesn't. Culture will change all of the time. It's just the nature of it. And it's supposed to. It adapts to the different, whatever history sees it, whatever you're in, it will change to it. But listen to me. Culture will try to come and say, well, then we have adapted and we have changed. And so those are just outdated principles. And it's just, I listen, the Bible hasn't been wrong for 2,000 years. Come on, somebody. It is, it is the word of God. It is the truth of God's word. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are going to live our lives by it. We're going to submit to its authority and it may not be popular and we don't have to be ugly about it. In fact, we shouldn't be, but we are going to build our lives on it. That's the first one. We got to submit. Number two, jot it down if you're taking notes. It's not just enough to accept it. Now we have to learn what it says. Now we have to learn what's actually in it. So I think some of us, we're past that first stage. We're like, yeah, the Bible is the word of God. I'm with you, pastor. But now we have to actually figure out what it says. One thing to accept, now you got to figure what's read in it. And we can do that a few ways. I made a list of three because I've got the disease of three things. But I just got a few ways that we can learn what's inside. The first one, you probably already guessed it. You have got to read it. Like you actually have to read. If you're hoping for like three off the wall things, they're not there. You have to actually read what God wrote. You have to read his word. First way to assimilate, get the truth off of the page into our hearts is by reading. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, Men shall not live by bread alone, watch this, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a perspective shift about the importance of the word of God. Like It should be so vital to us that it is as important as eating. It's more important, but let me just get you to this threshold first, all right? Just, just work with me. As vital, the same way that it would make no sense to us to eat one meal a week. It should make no sense to us spiritually to eat one meal a week. 
Like I will do everything I can to preach as many verses as I can on Sundays. That was one of our trivia questions on Wednesday night. Come on, somebody. We preached over a thousand verses last week, uh, last year during Sundays. It was amazing. We counted them all. I will do everything I can, but this cannot be your only source of God's word. You've got to read what it says. And that, whatever translation, whatever version, whatever thing, I just want you to read it, to get it into your life. I want you to encourage you. It is one of the most powerful things you can possibly do, is to read God's word. Because it will change your perspective. It's why we have the one-year Bible in the app. You don't have to read the one-year Bible with us. Listen, I don't care if you never open the app, if you are reading God's word somewhere else. It's just why we have it. We want to give you every opportunity we can. You can grab a million different plans on version. You can get your own, but come on, they made it in a paperback. Come on, somebody. Like they got, you can have your own Bible. You can read it. Whatever it looks like, you've got to read his word. And we are so, we are blessed more than any other season of history in the availability in our nation, in our place, in the way that we can, we can possess and read the Bible. And we still don't. And I'm not pointing fingers today, everybody. I have, I have missed my share of times I should have been in the word. I have missed those things. You're like, pastor, you just kind of, I will tear my own, my own altar down. Come on somebody. I, I have missed, but you know what I don't do? I don't say, well, I missed a hundred of them in a row. And so now I just couldn't possibly get, no, I'd say, okay, from here on, I'm going to do better from this moment on. And some of you have missed like eight of them and you let self-condemnation take you out. The devil would love nothing more. Then for you to look at like, well, I missed January and half of February and I got to read like 800 chapters to catch up. Forget the 800. Start today with like six verses and tomorrow with six more verses. And maybe the next day with like two verses and the next day with just like start again. I, I cannot I cannot. It will be one of the greatest things you do in your life. And I am the poster boy for digital, but I would just encourage you. I, I use my phone for everything. I love that we have the app and every translation, every version. I love that we have it in our pockets ready to read. But I would just encourage you also to have like your Bible. Like to also have a Bible. And we will give you one if you don't have one. Free of charge. You come talk to me. I will get you a Bible. Any translation. I, we want you to have like your Bible. Because you can underline and mark and do it. I know you can do that in the digital version. I understand that. But listen to me. And, and I can quote you. All kinds of things about comprehension and, and I won't. Retention, whatever you want. I, you can go and study those on your own. Listen to me. It is important to have like your Bible. And so I brought today, I brought mine. All the people with Bibles are like, amen, pastor. And the rest of <laughs> people, with, people with your phones are like, I'm just going to hide this. Listen, I brought my, this is my travel Bible. This is the one I take with me. The one I study my own personal devotions in. I don't bring it too often because it's kind of torn up and stuff. And so usually I have a nicer Bible up here with me, but this is mine. This is my Bible. And listen, I, it has been with me in some crazy parts around the world. It has been with me in some dark moments in my life. It has been with me when I was praying for some things and I would just write it along. I have them written in the, in the columns of this Bible when I'm praying for God to move or to do something. And then I've got other verses where I'm right next to it, where God did move and God did answer. And so when I read through this thing, this is not only God's word, this is a testament of what God has done. And so this is mine. Like I, I know this Bible, like I might not know where it is in the Bible. I know where it is in this Bible. Come on somebody like, you know, like on halfway through on the page to the left, like that's where I know this is mine. Encourage you to have yours. And I won't quote you stats or figures or anything. You know what the biggest reason I think for having this is you can't get distracted as easily when it's one like this. 
Like, I know, I know the distraction. When you're like scrolling through and reading, and you're like, I'm going to share that verse. And you click like share. And it's like, where would you like to share it? And you're like, I want to share it on Twitter and Instagram. And then it's like, you shared it and now you're on Instagram. It's like, brings you into the app. And you're like scrolling and be like, ooh, I got more. And you're gone. There's no, there are no hyperlinks. There are no like rabbit trails in this one. As just a number, you got to have your Bible. But then also I would say, that I believe that it is the most blessed thing we've ever... It's the reason why we stream services. Reason why we have the app and we have those things. Reason why we give you every opportunity. Because I believe that whatever, whatever version, whatever digital, whatever thing that would actually help you to read, do that. Whatever it is. When they first started putting cameras into cell phones... And they started mashing those two things together. And everybody said, they asked a revered photographer. They said, what is the best camera that you can buy? What's the best camera that you can own? And you know what he said? He said, the one that you have with you. Because if you ever thought about that, like, it doesn't matter how good your camera was if it's at home. It doesn't matter if you bought the $40,000 lens if you left it locked up in the safe. The one you've got that you're taking pictures of the moment that you're in. And so I would just say, what's the best Bible? The one you've got with you that you'll actually read. If it's digital, read the digital. If it's a paperback, read the paperback. If it's a massive eight-pound thing, God bless you, you read it. I can't do that thing. But you, whatever it is, read that. Read God's word. You got to be in to read it. First one is we have to know what's inside of it. We got to keep the focus on the word. Amen, everybody. Second one is we got to hear God's word taught. Now, lest you think I am trumpeting my own powers of speech and the words that I say, lest I am like just going to come up here and cheer myself and pat myself. Listen, listen to what my prayer is every Sunday. I pray that when I get up here, that all of the words I speak between the verses, between what God's word says, all of the words that I am saying just serve to help bring the context and to bring some explanation. And then God shuts me up. That's what my prayer is. Because God's word is where the power is. God's word is where the difference is made. God's word is what actually will change your life the way that you want to see it change. God's word is what actually does it. And hearing the word brings the faith. You know the story Jesus tells about the sower that throws out the seed. And some fell on good ground, some on thorny ground, some on... And he tells this story and listen to the words he says in Luke 18. He says, the word being sent out. This is what the seed being sown. It's the word being sent out. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So when you hear the message, you want to grow in faith this year. Take this as a model. Consider how you hear God's word. If you got like the audible version or you're in the app, you can press play and listen to chapters at a time. If you've got like a certain preacher or a certain ministry or a certain thing that you love to listen to or a podcaster in the way, whatever it is, consider carefully how you listen to God's word. Consider carefully how you hear it. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You are the faithful of the faithful. Because you're like, I'm here and it's zero degrees outside. Come on, pastor. Like, I showed up. Or you're like, I'm on vacation and I'm watching online. Like, what more do you want from me? I'm at home and I put it on the tea. I could be making coffee and eating breakfast, but I put it on. What more do you want? Nothing is the answer. That is the, this is awesome. This is amazing. I love you people. I'm just saying, we have to consider when we listen to God's word. We have to consider carefully. We have to build our life. We have to... As many opportunities as we can. As many opportunities to hear the word of God. We got to listen to what it said. I'm not trying to build a crowd. I'm trying to build you. I want to see this in your life. I want to see this in your life. This is, if I I just like came, if you're like, Pastor, give me one thing that's going to like change this year. Give me the one. I would say it's to read God's word. If you've ever walked through a season where you felt like it just feels like God is a million miles away. If you've ever walked through a season where you feel like I just I keep messing up and I keep doing the things. I, if you've ever walked through that, 
I promise when you go back and reevaluate, it's because you maybe stopped reading God's word. You went through a season and maybe it just dwindled to nothing. Maybe you were just in a bit. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying I live this same thing. But when we walk away from this, when we let this work its way out of our life, that's when we see those seasons of dryness. And we see those seasons. We got to learn what it says. We got to hear God's word. The last one, if we're actually going to hear it, is exploring God's word. We're going to read it. We're going to hear it. Then we're going to explore. Jot down if you're taking notes. That's when we study it and it comes to life. So like now we know what's in it. We've read it or we've heard it. The best way to do this, the best way is in a relationship environment. I promise you, you start to get some people around you. We do this in small groups, but I don't care if you do this with another. I don't care where you do this with other believers, but this is the moment where we start to actually talk about what God's word says. And so you got like a text thread and you're like, hey, here's what I've been reading and here's what God's been showing me. You see someone else's perspective of the word. You see someone else's idea. You see what their vantage point and what God has been doing in their life. You see this and you begin to read it together. You begin to send out and I promise this is where the word comes alive. And maybe it's something that you're studying. And all of a sudden we start to apply it to our lives. Psalms 119 and verse 11. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might. This miracle takes place. Like I put God's word in and now this, this pattern of sin that I thought I couldn't break out of. There's this chain of addiction that I thought was too strong for me to be. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin. I'm telling you, you will never get to that place unless God's word gets in your life. There's a concept in the Bible that talks about, it's a purification process. It talks about being washed by the water of the word. That it actually will purify, that the power of God, all the Bible language in the world can't obscure the fact that you are, think, think about this, that it would purify those parts of your life that you're like, it's just too dark or no one could ever see this. I just never could get rid of this. So I'll just carry that the rest of my life. No, it's in the word of God that it comes alive. It says dividing soul and spirit, piercing to the very marrow. There's nothing you keep hidden from it. And that's a good thing, everybody. The fact that it can purify us and suddenly this miracle takes place. You find your life changing. You've ever wanted life change and couldn't figure out where it was going to come from. It comes from God's word. Because then number three, jot it down as we close. We just have to apply it to our lives. So we accept it as the authority. And honestly, let me, let me just say, this is probably where most of us live. Right before this one. Because if you've been in the church a while, or maybe you just, you know, you probably most of you have accepted, okay, yeah, it's the authority of God. And, and then if you've been around a while, been around the block, you probably know most of what's in it. Problem is, we don't do it. We don't apply it to our lives. We maybe know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. We know what we're not supposed to do, and we do it anyway. Maybe we don't have the right kind of community around us, or maybe we value knowledge over lifestyle. I don't know. Maybe we just put knowledge on the pedestal, and lifestyle can just run a second in the race. Maybe we don't realize, but for whatever reason, we don't do what we know. Jesus talked about this. He said, like, hey, don't. Don't deceive yourselves. And then when they wrote in James, he said, I love James because James, again, just kind of lays it all out. James will step on your toes and not say sorry. It's just an amazing book. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So we accept it as the authority. We know that it's alive. We know that it can change us. We listen and we read and we explore. We understand what it says, but then we do what it says. We actually let it make a difference in our lives. And again, myself included, most of us live right before this one. We've got the knowledge, but we don't have the actions. We've got the, we know exactly what the steps are, but we just won't take them.
do what it says. Apply it to our lives. And listen, everybody, I'm not a Bible salesman. I get no commission from you running out and buying Bibles. <laughs> Victory does not get a kickback. Every time you open the app, there's, it's a free deal, all right? There's no ads and no micro... It's, it's a free... I'm just... I'm, I'm not trying... I'm just trying to help you grow. I just want to see this in your life. And I will never forget the moment that it happened for me, that the Word came alive. That it turned from something that was just like rules and regulations and there's just like things I needed to do to make this thing go. And there's just some say, it turned from that into something. It's an amazing moment for me and I want that for you and all, that it actually came alive. That it, I stopped reading the Bible and the Bible started reading me. If you've ever read where it just, every verse is a conviction, every moment is God speaking to you. If you've ever had that, that's what I want so badly for you. And I will never forget that moment. It happened in this Bible. It happened. I, I just, it's, it's a moment where it starts to change. And instead of you reading it, it starts to read you. And it will continue to do so. It is the most read, most copied, most translated book in existence. It's the word of God. And so listen to me. You're like, Pastor, just give me the one something. Read. Read it. If you're a parent trying to lead your kids, read your Bible. If you're a spouse trying to love your spouse, read your Bible. If you're single, trying to mingle, read your Bible. Come on, somebody. If you're just, if you're just doing things, if you're a student trying to navigate the academic world, you're in high school or college, you're in junior high, wherever you are, read your Bible. If you're just trying to lead someone to the Lord and you're trying to strengthen your spiritual life, read your Bible. If you're a, a leader in, out in the world in your circle, read your Bible. If you're an academic professor, wait, read your Bible. If you're trying to grow into a spiritual leader of God, read your Bible. If you're trying to do something for God, read your Bible. Even if you're just a follower of Christ, read your Bible. It is God's word. And as you fall in love with it, as you learn what it says, as you begin to apply it in your life, I promise you, you will see the trajectory of your life change. All the principles, all the things we talk about, all the stuff we have built our life on, I promise you will see the entire trajectory of your life change. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, I pray today for those in our church, God. Lord, we know, God, it can be a hard thing. And we know that we have so many cares and pressures of this life that weigh on us. And so I just pray, Lord, let us see the importance of it. God, that it's not just something that we do because we check the box as Christians, but Lord, that it is vital to our lives. More than eating, God, that it is something that is what gives us strength. It is what sustains us. It's what helps us reach the end of this journey. I just pray you would help us. Now, church, listen, I understand the Bible is the blueprint. It is the roadmap. It is the instructions. It is everything that lays out a standard for living the life that God has called us to live. I understand that. But God never asks us to do anything that he doesn't give us the power to do. And so I want to pray as we end today. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit, first of all, would help this thing come alive to you this week. But then would give us the strength and the power to not only read the words, but to apply it to our lives. Before we pray that, though, I want to talk for a moment with those of you that don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never decided, I want to follow him. And so maybe you're listening to the rest of this and you're like, hey, the power to break sin off my life. Hey, the power to break out of this addiction. Hey, the, the peace that comes along 
with that relation. That all sounds great, but I'm a million miles away from God. It's about, I'm about as far as I've ever been. Listen to me, I don't know how you got there. I don't know what circumstances maybe led you to that place. But if you are there, you've tried this thing on your own and maybe chaos is reigning in your life. Everything but the peace of God is happening in you. You've tried to push as hard as you could push and run as far as you could. I don't know how you did. I just know that if you want to, God can fix that today. And it starts with surrender. And so we want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I'm not. This can happen right where you're seated. But our church has dedicated ourselves. We count it as no higher joy. This is the moment that we live for, that we could tell somebody else about the same freedom and redemption that was given to us. So listen to me. If you want that, it's yours for free. It's not about joining a church. I'm not going to take up an offering. It's not about anything like that. Right now, you get to make a decision. But here's what I do know. I do know that God loves you, that God wants you. And it doesn't matter how far you've run. It doesn't matter how much you feel tangled in it. He can free you. And so we just want to pray with you. I can give you the words. The entire church can pray it with you. But you have to say them and you have to mean it. So right now you say, that's me. Pray it with us as a church. We pray this every Sunday. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin, all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for everybody in our church. God, I pray as we open God's word this week that it would come alive to us. Give us the truth of your word, God, that would set us free. Help us to fall deeply in love with your word. And Father, every day, every day as we read it, every day as we grow more and more in love with it, every day as we apply it to our lives, that you would begin to do a work in us. And we know that the word is alive. We know that change and redemption is possible. So I pray, do your work this week. We love you with all of our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God praise today?